Welcome to the 624 Pod, your home for all things independent films. We're going to discuss all the positives and negatives when it comes to independent filmmaking. We're going to have incredible guests from the film industry talk about the behind the scenes experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, and how the industry has changed in the past 10, 20 minutes. Yeah, minutes, hours, years. years. That's the point. It's always changing. And of course, we will always focus on independent filmmaking right here in our state of New Jersey. I'm Tom Baldinger. And I'm Mark Rigadana. All right, let's do this. I know we have another great episode. We do. Another another fabulous uh, actor who's joining us, uh, who's done some fabulous work. Uh, he's He's been in a number of TV shows, a number of movies. Some of my all-time favorite TV shows, one of them is NYPD Blue. Okay. Um, so I'd like to introduce to you, Mark, Anthony Mangano. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for yeah, asking. Thanks. Thank you for joining the 624 podcast. So uh, the theme of our, our of this podcast is to talk about independent filmmaking, studio filmmaking, the successes, the failures, the ups, the downs, the do's, the don'ts. Mm -hmm. um, but more importantly, uh, uh, Anthony, um, you were in one of my all-time favorite TV shows. It, it inspired me to, to, to get into film and TV, which is NYPD Blue. So... Thank oh, you so God. much for, for for being in that show. You you had a great character on that show. Oh yeah, Ed Laughlin. I know. I was uh <laughs> I had an Irish name. I sure as heck don't look Irish. But <laughs> my wife and daughter are part Irish, but um uh, yeah, that was a great show. I got cast and uh Bill Clark um uh, was a guy that basically brought me in and casting and everything. And I started out, I played another character, and it was only one episode, then they decided to bring me in with Ricky, Schro I think it was Rick Schroeder. Yeah, I was a yep. Ricky, Ricky Schroeder. And um, I worked with him a couple episodes. And then uh, they decided to bring me back for a big one-hour episode where I was, I they turned me in from a good guy to a bad guy. And then yep. from and that you were the point, bad guy against then, Mark Paul Gossler, right? Yeah, then Mark came on the show. And here I am uh -huh. fighting up. Uh, basically going at Zach from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, it was pretty funny. Nice kid, really nice guy. I could say kid, I'm still old. And, um, and <laughs> got along great. And then there were a lot of episodes we were working together, which led up to a big, there was episodes after the big fight scene that we had this boxing match. Yep. And I remember I was training for that and we would shoot and I was out in LA and I was living here. So I was living in a hotel out there that they put me in it. I would go to the set. We'd shoot a couple hours. They mapped it out. Then Mark and I would be shuttled over to uh, uh, Freddie Roach's gym. The guy that oh, wow. uh, Freddie Roach is very, you know, you know, Freddie Roach is right. Yeah. So Freddie would train. His guys would train Mark and me. So Mark would be training to do all the boxing stuff. And I'd be doing the, all the Mike Tyson stuff, the, the swing <laughs> Here I was, man. I was hitting sandbags and jumping rope. And I would come back at the end of the night. I would call my wife and go, look, I'm going down to the jacuzzi because I'd have to sit in that thing for like an hour to try and loosen myself <laughs> up. And when we were sparring, Mark Tinker came up and he saw me. I was breathing a little heavy. He goes, what are you breathing for? You know, you're know, you in shape. I said, Mark, how old do you think I am? So Mark <laughs> thought that I was about 32 when in reality I was 40 at the time. Okay. <laughs> well, you didn't look 40. No, no, it, it didn't. But, the you know, Mark was younger than me. And I'm like, 
it was taking, you know, it took a lot out of me. And, and and I'll tell you a very funny story is that when we fought that day, we trained, we fought for 16 hours. That stupid little thing took 16 hours. I can only imagine a Rocky fight to get it. So I remember that, that the next day Mark hit me so hard in my ribs it kept missing. I, I think there was like a hairline fracture. They checked it out that night. I had to yeah. read the next day for a pilot in the morning and all this other stuff. And, at Warner Brothers, and I'm I come in, I'm all I kept asking for was Gatorade when we were shooting. Just get me Gatorade, Gatorade, right? He's drinking shakes. The next day I came in, I'm jumping around, feeling like a little kid. He's not feeling well. I said, Well, it's not good, man. You're 28. I'm 40 years old. You should be up and at it, you know. <laughs> it was a great, great opportunity, great show. I mean, really. One of the memorable moments of my life. That was a really great show. Really great cast. De Dennis Farina, uh, not Dennis Farina, Dennis France, excuse Dennis me. Dennis France, yeah. Uh, him and I would be like this on the show, but best of friends when we were off the show. It was really oh, that's crazy. awesome to hear. He was such a good guy. They were all great. They were all, everybody, Gordon Clapp, everybody, the girl, Um, I forgot who she is. She's on the Housewives or something now. I don't know. But but they were all a really, really good cast. They really enjoyed myself on that show. All right. You brought up Dennis Farina. I'm going to ask both of you, who's your favorite tough guy cop my on television? Tough guy? Dennis um, my... I'm going to go with Dennis Franz. I have to go with Franz. Wow, but Farina, nice. Farina was great in um, uh, my, my friend Tony Dennison was the lead right. in a crime story. Crime story. Yep. Yeah. And Dennis, because Dennis was a real cop. Yes, he was. That's that's so he had a lot know, right? Chicago. Chicago. So, so he always had a lot to draw on, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, you can always I remember one day, this is a true story. Uh, one of the guys came up and says, You are the the best cop that acted on this show. And I says, Okay, strike that. Let me run that, rewind that. No, I'm an actor playing a cop. <laughs> I didn't realize it. I said, I've just had enough experience. Being around policemen and all these years, that I knew how they walked and how they carried themselves, you know, because I used to get my thing was wherever I was going on a train in New York, they would go five oh five oh, you know, the bad guys thought I was the real thing. Oh, <laughs> well, that was pretty funny. Oh my god, that's awesome! So, yeah. and I remember you telling me a story, and this is this is a, I think it's a good story for for people to hear, uh, fans of NYPD Blue or just the process of. TV making or filmmaking, you told me that it was a story. Uh, it was uh, it was the scene you had with Rick Schroeder in NYPD Blue. Oh God! And you were at the bar. Uh -huh. It was you and Rick at the bar, and they kept changing lines. Right? They kept well, they kept well, doing rewrites. So go David ahead, tell that story, please. David Milch, they used to say you just got milched, mm. and David goes, he'd be sitting there, and you could see the, the genius working and on set go, while you guys are working. While we're working, and he said, uh, you can't go anywhere. I just rewriting a scene for you and Rick. I said, okay. So he <laughs> comes down, I swear to you, maybe an hour later, five pages of dialogue. Oh, my God. Now, <laughs> Rick's That's answers funny. to me are short and cryptic, okay? Mine yep. are monologues. <laughs> So I'm sitting there going out. Now you know that everything's riding on me because all eyes are upon me. I'm the guest. So I, I was having the hardest time. So I did a Marlon Brando. It worked for him. It worked for other actors. I wrote my dialogue on bar napkins. 
Nice. And they were placed. And I asked the cameraman, are you catching this? And he goes, no. So the so the, here they are. So we're doing shots and we're drinking beers. So every time I went for a shot, if you ever see that, you'll see me look down. Then I come up and look at Rick and I gave my line. It looked like I was in character. And everybody goes, oh, you did fantastic. I go, baloney, man. I cheated the whole time. <laughs> I, I'm being as honest as I can. Maybe it looked good, but there was I couldn't memorize that. I went home that night. I felt like I fought Tyson. I was I was mentally beat. I was almost in tears because it was it was so much going on. Because you want to do a good job, you know. You're not yeah. a regular on there. You're you're like right. recurring, so you're trying to do your best as you can. But they, that really happens when you hear those stories about Brando having like you saw a picture Robert Duval would have all the dialogue on him. Yeah, he had it. He had it on a billboard. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff happens. Sometimes so it's you can't so, memorize it. When you told me that story, <clears throat> I uh, being an, an avid uh, NYPD Blue fan, I, I went and I started, because it's on Amazon Prime, so I started going through the episodes, and I found your episode, and I watched it. And, Anthony, I'm not saying this because you're on the show. I had no idea that your that your lines were there, and I watched for it. That's how good. That's how well you did. I mean, you were oh, you were so. And, I, and I'm not saying that. Like honestly, I I paused it. I went back. I'm like, all right, is he is he cheating? Did he cheat? And he, I never thought that. Never got the idea that you were. Or remember knowing that, knew that. Oh, he's looking at his line. Never got that. So kudos to you for 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 doing such a great job yeah. on the, uh, you know, with with the the gun to your head. <laughs> you know, it's, it's also funny is that when you when you see that scene, we filmed. I guess most three, more than three quarters of the episode. And then I was off for like three weeks and they decided to rewrite a, those scenes, uh, mm. rewrite another scene. And then he added to that, I'm 10 pounds lighter. Take a good look. <laughs> You'll see, all of a sudden I said, this guy's, you know, I, I, you could see it in my face. It's like, how do you lose weight from one scene to the next? It's, you know, he ran that. downtown for the next scene. <laughs> yeah. Some people notice, some people don't, but it was, it was, uh, I appreciate you saying that because it was really, it was that was tough. It was a you little know, tough. Though, I I I sincerely believe that if you're as an actor as a, as the actor, if you're so into your character and you're so into the skin of who it is, it doesn't matter what else happens. It's the right thing to do because you're in character, and that's what the character oh, no, would no. do. No, thank yeah yeah it's true. I agree with you on that 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 yeah. I mean, I was in character, but, uh, you know, you're talking, it was just, it was just one of those things, but thank you, Tom. That makes me feel good that you could. No, I was, and, and, and I was glad when they brought your character back, uh, with Mark Paul Gossler, that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it was, it was, it was really cool. It was, it was, I was, you're, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of the show. Uh, and I was glad that they brought your character back. Um, Anthony, talk about, you know, for our audience here and for, for Mark and I, how has the business changed? Tremendously. I think that because, in, in, of, yeah, because of COVID, uh, used to be, we used to go on an audition and you used to go into a casting office, whether it was for a film, a TV show, even a commercial. And I pride myself on being in front of an audience. So, you know, I trained in the theater and stuff like that. So there's nothing like getting a human reaction to what you're doing. Yeah. Now, when you audition, there's, it's just a certain animal. Like I used to, you know, when I was a kid, 
I would get all nervous and stuff. When I got older, I wouldn't see, I would see people and I'd nod to them, say we could talk later. And I was just going through your own zone and do my thing and then leave. And if you got it, you got it, you got it, you didn't get it. You know, there's always those intangibles as why your yeah. looks or something. But now it's kind of, I mean, I've gotten casted from my reel, but. But you're doing auditions like this, right? You're doing exactly. auditions and on a Zoom, you, right? You And you can also, you do it Zoom sometimes live. Self-tape. Or self-tape. And like my wife, I mean, my wife's a teacher, but, you know, she's become my reader or my daughter who's in casting when she can, she tapes me. So it becomes, you can do multiple takes. That's the only advantage you have. Mm. Whereas in a casting office, they may get frustrated if you don't grab it the first one or two. You could see them getting frustrated, which makes you frustrated. So you got to try and zone out. But you can you can actually take a few takes, and then if you have like my daughter knows what she's doing, she can edit like and put that to put it together yeah. properly. But but now you're becoming you're now you're becoming a director and an editor instead of yeah. That was like this whole thing that was in the contracts that they were trying to solve. It just becomes it's a whole different animal. It, it it's it's. I miss that interaction between the between like I'm having with you guys, even though we're on Zoom, we're Zooming each other. Being in a room, you know, I could do something yeah. to make it, especially if you're doing a comedy, which I excelled in when I before I got into dramas, which I did mm -hmm. a few here and there. But I used to do a ton of sitcoms and stuff, and I would get pilots where you make the people laugh in a room. You know, you go in a room and there's 50 people in a room and you make them laugh. You know, you got you have them. Yeah, you know, it just depends on. I remember I did a pilot with Kathleen Turner, and the reason why I got it was because they wanted us to sit. And I said, Kathleen, I really don't want to sit. Can we do the standing? Because it, it just feels better. And I flung the chair, and she goes, "I like his style." And she threw the chair, and everybody laughed. And when I walked <laughs> out, I I kind of knew. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, and I got the call fifteen minutes in my car, so it was, it was nice. And there's something about a performer. You said you started in the theater that does live. When you're in a room with somebody, there's like a, a a a sense that's above you, that's like reading the energy of everybody, and you know when to be funny, you know when to take something serious, you know how to deal with them and let them know, like, hey, I'm a decent person, I'm a good guy, whatever. But when you're on that tape, it's like they just see you do your thing, <laughs> you know. It's like yeah, you don't really you get to know them, or they don't know you, and. They don't Are they know doing about you? It's very, very. It's kind of, it's kind of cold. If you get my drift, mm -hmm. it's not. It's not that feeling of being in the room, you know. And and I trained. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'll just tell you something. When I first started, I was doing Saturday Night Live pretty much every weekend, and I was nothing but maybe an extra or one line or two mm -hmm. lines. But I was there learning because I, I, when I learned that when I would do a live show in front of the whole you know, nation and you don't mess up, you know, you can do sitcoms. You can do anything because you basically it's, it's like you pick up the vibe. Yeah. You know, like a sitcom has a certain beat to it. Whereas a dramatic show doesn't, you know, sitcom, yeah. you have to be a little bigger, a one hour show, you tone it down depending on the role. So, but like you were saying, going back to what I was saying, Tom, that's what's missing in that respect mm. is that you're not going in a room. And do they do they not do that anymore? Is that is that is that they're gone? Not, they're not doing it really. Very very far and few. You know, like my daughter said the other day, she had a an in person casting job, which was a shocker to me. You know, yeah. 
but I hear about it. But I would imagine if you're going to go for a, a lead in a in a movie, uh, the director is going to want to meet you. I mean, if they're that serious, I think they're going to want to see you in person, unless you're big enough and famous enough that they know the individual's work. But even then, they're going to want to have lunch or something. They they have to, you know, be some chemistry. Do there. they want to spend three months with you? Yeah, that's the other thing. And then, you know, sometimes your reputation precedes you if you um if you're good or a, bad a good person good. to walk, work with or a person that's hard to work with. And you know, right. if you're hard to work with, you may not get a job, you know, right. because like you said, do they want to spend three months with an individual? So I just basically I keep to myself now that I'm older. It's a I used to always <laughs> be out and about I, with my friends I am, but Right, I'll right. Sit in my room and read comic books till I'm ready to work. I, I just don't want to fraternize because so I'm afraid I, um, if I say the word the wrong thing, something could get misconstrued. I uh, I watched a I watched a, a lot of Instagram videos or whatever, and it came across one, and it just brings us to what I'm about to talk about or say here, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, brings us to the the topic of auditioning and how it's changed. There was a there's a recent clip of Michael Keaton talking. I guess he was oh, at a Michael, a, a Michael Keaton, great actor. I saw it. You know I'm what I'm sorry. about to say. And he says, he said that I got the job when I got the audition. That yeah. was, that was my job. My job was going into the room and doing that's, that's how I got the job. I almost like want to ask you, I want to ask every, every actor that I know, is that the same mindset now? Cause I, I never thought of that that way. Like Michael Keaton did, but now that I watched that and heard it, I can understand it. There is some, there is some validity to that, that mm. from his perspective, you know, but, but it's also, you know, it's not taking anything away from it. When you're on top, it's easier to make to, those to... calls. Right. You know? Sure. But when you're struggling, like a lot of actors are, because it's a different business now. Yeah. Um, sometimes it can be nerve wracking. You have to have very, very thick skin, Tom. You really yeah. do. Because you have to know that, but I agree with him there. You do your best. You study, learn your right. lines, try to be off book, and do your audition your best. Now, if you don't get it, it's just not meant to be. Something could be there. And you know that you've been in the position where you do, you know, shooting and everything, and you're in a room. Sometimes a guy will walk in or a girl, and it's just something there that they go, that's it. Yeah, for sure. And that other actor may be better. But that person has that it. There's so then, many and guys, male and female out there, phenomenal, talented people, and they don't. It just, it's just the way it works. But they you don't know? get the opportunity now. To your point, they don't get that opportunity to walk no. into the room, and the no. casting director, or the director, just looks and goes, "Oh yeah, I want that person." And those, they yeah. don't have to speak, you know. And then once they there's speak, it's like, "Oh, it's even better." There's something about you know. I always remember this. This is a very funny story, and, and it is a compared to what you're saying. When they were auditioning for James Bond originally, they're waiting for this guy called Sean Canary, Sean Connery. <laughs> and they're looking out the window and the casting and I think uh, not the casting, uh, the, the Purdue Broccoli and Salzman saying, look at the way this guy walks across the street like he owns the street. He's bouncing. It was Sean Connery. <laughs> what I'm saying is that, that, that that's what's missing. There's something that when you walk in the room. You may have a swagger, a way, a wink that just captivates them. And I think that's it's really important for as you know, this podcast is about independent filmmaking. I think more independent directors 
we all use casting directors where, I mean, I'm, I'm at fault at it too. You know, I'll have a, I'll have use work with a, any one of these casting directors and they'll just send me, you know, a bunch of reels of people's, you know, they say, Tom, just give me the side and I'll, they'll just self tape and let them see it, you know, and I'll mm -hmm. go through it. And there's a, there's a piece of me that says, you know, damn it. I wish, I wish we could be in a studio, you know, in a room and these 12 people that just showed me their real, I want them to walk into the room. I want to talk to them. I want to get to know them. And yeah, you might do a second, you know, a second audition, a callback where you're doing a zoom like this, but it's still not the same. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when you're in the room with somebody, it's like, it's like anything. It's like business sales, whatever. When you're in the room with another person and you're, you're, you're two human beings or three or four human beings in a room, you kind of build that chemistry. You build something. It's that's, that's the point that, that, that I think you're making and what we're saying that it's, what's and, I, and I want more into, and you know, independent filmmakers, if you're, you're, you're listening to this and you're, you're watching us, you know, try and make that leap, go there. Don't, and I'm going to start doing it myself. I'm going to, you know, I want to, you know, of course, it comes down to funding too, because you got to pay for the room, you got to well, pay for well, the casting director, you know. So there's the key. Whereas the biggest misconception that I don't understand is that, but because you understand business end of it. Um, so if I'm in casting office, I now have no overhead. Right. They they all work from home. Most of them. Most of them you know, do. That's correct. That's absolutely so right. You're not paying rent. You're not paying the travel expenses. You're not doing this. Nope. You're not doing that. So that works in your favor. But then if you need to have a callback, they rent the space just for the callback. So exactly. It's just very, very weird. You know, I, I, I just did a lead in a film in right before the uh, strike. And it was a fluke, man. I auditioned in April and uh, I came back from Florida. And I had gotten good news that I had got a part recurring character, which I'll make you laugh on a, a superhero show. I cannot say which I yep. may still be on the obligation. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> then I got this call. Are you available from my agent to do this movie? And I said, Wait, this, I auditioned in April and I knew one of the producers. And then they said, could you meet the director tomorrow? So I said, okay. I met them that they want you and you got to start Monday. So I had to replace another actor who wound up being my brother in it, but I had so much dialogue that I had a lot riding on me. So I had to oh, really wow. jump into the role. See, that's one of those fluky things. Yeah. 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 You know, it's one of them fluky things. So, you know, you, it happens. Sometimes it does happen like that. That was like one of those crazy things. An actor or an actress may have to back out for some reason and you're stuck, meaning you, what do I do? You know, and you have to go to second choices, third choice, and see who's going to rise to the occasion. Somebody yeah. told me to put bar napkins with the lines on it right in front of you. Good, there you go. Good, <laughs> good tip, right? <laughs> <laughs> can but you I, uh, can I, you tell I, us? Can you tell us the movie uh, that that you're starring in? Uh, it's called The Narrows, as far as I know. Now it was called nice. The Narrows. Nice. Is cool. it is it coming out? Is it being released? Has it been it's, released? Uh, they been finishing the editing on it and everything i i would imagine it might be soon it's a Excellent. cute little family film it's it's not a, a a big budget film it's a cute little family type thing i i do play a mob guy but i'm not and which is strange because now i'm playing more mob guys it's it's very weird i'm the only guy that didn't get on the sopranos that auditioned a million times so uh <laughs> boardwalk empire but um I think it's coming out soon. It just, but it's okay. a cute one. But it's not. I'm not killing anybody or breaking legs. So it's. I play a lovable. <laughs> according to the 
the description is uh, in uh, IMDb. I play a lovable gangster. <laughs> is that are, are there lovable gangsters around? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Big teddy bears. <laughs> but I, I. But getting back to what you were saying, Tom. Yeah. Um, the the business has changed so drastically that movies that are coming out, and I, I hate to say it, I love movie theaters and all, but I think they're going to be a novelty in the future. Whereas everything yeah. winds up streaming or these movies come out two weeks, three weeks, and they're already streaming. Yeah. So, yeah. Which says to me, like I sit there going, so basically it's a win-win for the producers and the director because they can get nominated for an Oscar and get nominated for an Emmy. Yeah. yeah. Because it's That's a two crazy. different event. It's two different awards. Because they're both on the thing. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, some of these movies are 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 calibers like an like an action film or a superhero. They only work on big screens, Godzilla yeah. and stuff. You want to see that on a big screen, right? The, right, the right, Avengers right. or Captain America or Superman. You want to see it on a big screen. Just just even though the technology and the home viewing uh, TVs and entertainment centers are beautiful. It's just no, not seeing it. No, no, you went. No, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a big comic book guy. I, I have thousands of comic books in my house. Uh, I love seeing the superhero films on the big screen. It's not the same. You know, no matter how big your TV is in your house, it's not the same. Yeah. Um, Anthony, talk to me a little bit that we had a, we had a prior guest earlier this season. Uh, I think, you know, Dan Loria. Oh yeah. One of the years. Great guy. We, uh, we were talking to him and he was telling us, and I'm curious if you if you hold the, the same thought of this, of how movies were made years ago to how they're made today, which is today it's cut, 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 cut. It's, you know, coverage, 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 coverage. There's no, you don't, you don't see, the, you don't see scenes being played out in the Y. You don't see scenes being played out in a two shot. How do you, do you think, do you, are you of the same mindset of like, you would like to see, and he said, he said, quote, if I if you talk to a young director today and tell him make you know stop doing all these cut 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 cuts at least cover shots you're not going to make it in Hollywood, right? Or you're gonna you're gonna make it in Hollywood. But if you go back to the old way of making movies with wide shots and two shots of the whole scene, you're not going to make it. Do you do you, do you feel the same way, Anthony, about yeah, how films are made today versus then? The, the movies from yesteryear, you know, you can go to Lawrence of Arabia. Imagine trying to make that cut 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 cut. Oh yeah, Come with the wind. Cut 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 cut. I mean, you yeah. can go down the road. Get the Godfather, cut, cut, cut. Certain certain filmmaking should be made a certain way. Although, although it's just, I don't know. It's it's what society dictates that everything's got to be fast because of the iPhone, because of everything. Where everything, you know, I see that they made these like little uh, TV series, uh, like fifteen minute shows that are shown yeah. on their phone. What the hell yeah. are you going to get in fifteen minutes? But that's but unfortunate. But that's the way you know. It's like you it's know, fast food entertainment. It's it's exactly fast food entertainment. But in a, in some ways, I you know you have to kind of you have to conform to it a little bit. And we uh, you know Mark and I have a have a show that's going to be coming out soon. And it's it's a each episode is what five six minutes long. Um, but what we did was we we shot it in a lot of two shots. We shot a lot of wide. Instead of it being coverage, coverage, coverage. It's, it's very sketch feeling. It, yeah, sketch it feels like a sketch more than even though it's reoccurring, everything's reoccurring. The way you shot it and the way it feels is very sketch. 
oriented. Like it's, and I'd like to, I'd like more films to go back to that, to come back to that kind of that feel, you know? I would love, to, you know, it, it depends on, uh, you know, and you feel bad as an actor because <laughs> you don't want to overstep your bounds, but you want to say, um, did you get me in that? <laughs> you know, you know, was there a close up? No, we got you in a two shot. We got to pull. Then you know, we'll go in a little tighter on a two shot too. So, like I said, yeah. you know, I'm sitting there going, I know enough to know that that I don't. All right, you know, <laughs> you know. Hopefully, it'll come out right. You know, sometimes that you know you got to trust your director, but there's sometimes where you've been around long enough to go, I don't know about that one. Have you but, have you been on on set for like independent for with young directors or new directors? Have you ever wanted to like step in or have you been um, like uh, you know? I've helped to... out a little okay. bit when mm -hmm. somebody's in trouble, and I, I would not to overstep my bounds, but I might you know they, they might look at me and go, "What do you think?" And I go, "Do you really want to know?" <laughs> and then I'll go, "If you want, I'll just say you might want to, you know." And then they go, oh, you know, I didn't think it. And I go, okay, it's up to you. You do what you want. That's just right. But I'm, you asked my opinion. Cause, cause, you know, you don't want to, I don't want to get anybody mad or anything like that. But, you know, it, it depends. Some of them, are, these young ones are coming out. It's like you said, everything's got to be quick, 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 two pieces. But I don't know what kind of a masterpiece you're going to create. Whereas, like, I just saw, I didn't see the film, but I know he's nominated. It was Bradley Cooper in The Maestro. That can, yes. I know that can't be a two shot. You know, he, I think he kind of shot that old style. Yeah. It looks yeah, that yeah. way. Yeah, it does. It does look like it's a lot in the wide and everything like that. A it lot does, of certain does. films like that, that's just kind of a scorsese you know, Coppola. That they, you know, you learn from the masters. Right. Let's be honest. Everybody steals from everybody. You don't mean to, but you, it's kind of a, I would say an homage. It's, you, you know, you're paying tribute by, you're taking certain scenes and you're, you're kind of like recreating them in, in, in a certain way, but you know, it came from somebody else. That's where they got it from. So everybody you know. steals from everybody. Mark, as a stand-up comedian, would you say that is the truth? Yeah, he, knows it is. <laughs> he knows it is. He knows everybody takes a little bit from everybody. And they just, yeah. I think somebody said there's only six jokes actually out there. It's just, you change the setup. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's just some, some really good, good stuff i mean you know there's some great stuff going back to charlie chaplin i mean come on man you know the, these these guys they they were artistic geniuses and and that's why i said a lot of the the young guys today i think that they should like you said tom i think a lot of them should do take films study and watch those films yeah. to learn about what true film and remember now they sat in a room piecing together film Right. To get a shot. Whereas, you yeah. know, what, what the filmmakers today, if I said to them, well, you owe everything to Jerry Lewis and they go, Jerry Lewis, why do I owe Jerry Lewis? He's a comedian. <laughs> yeah. Well, he invented the video assist, which made it so much cheaper on film that he could play back that video to see if the, sh the scene went well. Mm. That's amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like cool. another tidbit, like the three camera shot on a sitcom. Do you know who we owe that to? Who's that? I'm going to Desi say Jackie Arnaz. Gleason, but I have no, no. Oh, Desi Arnaz. Really? Ricky Ricardo. Uh -huh. He, the guy was very smart. Desi Lou Productions. He was very smart. That's, mm. he created that three shot to get to, on, a, on a sitcom. Sometimes he's in the fourth camera. You break wow. the fourth, they're, they're filming all different angles. You got, because you, you get this camera one pickup, camera two, camera three. It, it, 
see, there are there are some really good stories out there about guys that that were geniuses that yeah, bring for ideas. Sure. For sure. So, uh, Anthony, I'm, I'm glad that you have you on the on the podcast here. You're looking well. So you uh, you're you're back you're back in. You're you're doing well. You're feeling yeah, better these days. Yeah, it was it was. Um, you don't mind sharing? Yeah, no, I don't mind. I just everybody out there to say exactly what I had. Um, I suffered from a, a stroke, which was brought on by high blood pressure, which I wasn't sure of. Which I tell everybody, make sure you check your pressure. Don't play around. And uh, it was called the hemorrhagic bleed mm. uh, stroke, uh, which 76, I think it's 74% of the people die from. Because your brain, you're bleeding in your brain. And that just happened to uh, one of the dancers from Dancing with the Stars, my wife told me. Uh, the, uh, the blonde guy on the show is the host's wife. They were on tour. And she suffered. She passed out. They had to remove part of her cranium. Oh, my God. For the blood. That's what they do. And... Um, they didn't do that, have to do that to me. Mine was very contained. It stopped. And uh, it's just, I had to go through a very, very long process, months, till I was off the cane and off my I had brace on my leg to keep me from my leg from buckling forward and to train myself every day with therapy when I was in Burke, uh, Burke Rehab, which was phenomenal in White Plains. And mm -hmm. You know, when you're laying in a bed, Tom, looking out a window that's so small, going, what the heck happened? And go, can I just get back to myself? Because, you know, you can't, not to get graphic, but you have people taking care of you in more ways than you can imagine. I'll let you just use your yeah. brain to figure that out. Yeah. And you have to want to come back to to function. And I have my wife, my daughter, and everything. I have my brother, brothers, I should say. How long? Everybody. How long until you, how long it were you in rehabbing? Let me see. It was about two months from the stroke. Out of, from there, out of Burke, I was out. I was an outpatient, but I was going to therapy for about another two to four months. Two wow. more months till I got rid of the cane. Because every day they were telling me walk and walk. And then I was like, you know what? I can do it. Put the cane down. I was, I was walking around the neighborhood. I, I made it one day. I wouldn't tell my wife. Mm -hmm. I walked like a mile. <laughs> and I called, her, I called her and she started yelling at me. I said, you got to come pick me up. Why did you do that? I said, I had my phone. I had it. I'm not going to get anywhere unless I try. So I did that. And that's when that first uh, uh, gig came in that um, I was, re again, replacing an actor last minute. But that was okay with me. It was my first job. And I said, sure. I was. They knew I couldn't really stand long. But it was a night shoot. And the irony of it all I got there at five. We shot to seven in the morning. I was the only guy still awake that didn't have any coffee. <laughs> Good for you. I like that they had to bring in the guy who just recovered from a stroke to cover for another actor. <laughs> yeah, and he's a pretty well-known actor, but he, I don't know, something happened. And I was like, okay, you know, oh, I'm awesome. fine. I'm fine. I can do it. So, you know, it was a, it was a very, very long, tedious um rehab but well, you look you look fantastic man you look great you, you know, and you know we back. did make you What's laugh that? my yeah. daughter came up with the idea she said dad let's do something really special for your the one year mark on your uh stroke let's run the rocky steps so i trained and trained it was like 72 74 steps and i did it and we oh, went back nice. last year and as long as i live and i'm capable <laughs> of doing it every year on march 19th i'll do those steps nice that's great i just love like, it just to know that you 
you know, you can do I'm it. I'm not trying to be rocky. I'm trying to just yeah. show a point, you know. Oh, that's great. I yeah. absolutely love that. that I absolutely fantastic. love that. All right. So we uh, we have a question that we uh, that we ask or uh, all of our guests asks. Why did I just say asks? Like we're going to ask. So. <laughs> What's that? You're in New York. I guess, well, I'm, I'm from New Jersey from and I'm in New Jersey, but I, I, I was talking like as if I'm from New York. <laughs> um, depends. Actually, you know what? Speaking of anytime, like my wife and I will go on vacation and, you know, like you're, you're you know, you're at a club, with the live bands playing or whatever. And someone and, you know, or stand a comedian, they go, all right, how many people here from New York? And I'm going, yo. And my wife's going, you're not from New York. You're New Jersey. Why would you stop? <laughs> That's <laughs> like, pretty funny. You're not from New York. New York adjacent. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, they, have, they... I, you know Vic DiBetetto, right? You oh, very well. Yes. So Vic used to come up with a line that I used to think was hysterical, and Vic used to say, Staten Island is Brooklyn with a cover charge. <laughs> that's all it is. You play the Verrazano Bridge. That's your cover uh, charge. That's good. I love it. I love it. So we, uh, we ask this question of all of our guests. And we're interested in, in hearing your answer. And I, I didn't prep you for sure. this, but I, I know you can. I know you can handle it. So sure. we ask all our guests: give us your top three films currently, right now. Not current films, but your top three films today. We had ten I, hours to kill on a bus trip. Wait, uh, three you mean films from, from yesteryear to now. Whatever I like. What, whatever your your favorite three favorite films that if you had like Mark said, if you had ten hours on a bus. Okay. And you had three movies yet you were gonna watch. What would they be? Um, my favorite movie that I fell in love with uh, was a Paul Muni film, starring him and Claude Rains. It was called Angel on My Shoulder. Okay, it's about a gangster who gets sent to hell, and Claude Rains is the devil. Angel on My Shoulder, I and he sends and he like looks out. just at Paul Muni's got a double back up on Earth. And he puts him back in the body of the the, the devil, the, the guy, to mm. ruin this guy's career. And everything backfires on the devil. I, I found it to be a great film. That's one. All right. Love it. I have to watch that one. Two. Uh, I just saw a great film the other night. You're going to think I'm crazy. Maybe it's because of the Christmas thing. I fell in love with The Bishop's Wife, starring Cary Grant. Nice. Yeah. Nice. David Niven. Phenomenal film. Nice. Phenomenal Very nice. Film. Uh, so that would be one. I know everybody says the Godfather, which I think is flawless. Right. Of course. Of course. Which I want to tell you a tidbit and you can use it after I get done with it. Um, <laughs> my favorite, uh, and now you, and I, I'm so off base here. No. My favorite movie. It's my favorite. And the only reason why I say this is because my mother took me when I was a little boy All on right. a bus in Brooklyn to see this film. And she bought me a car, the replica of it. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Nice. Love it. Can I throw you for a loop? Because you guys were probably figuring I'd be doing all these great. There's so many great films, but those three stand out. I love it. When you said the car and the thing, I thought you were going to say Steve McQueen movie. No. Uh, Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Bullet. I love it. Always been my favorite. Dick Van Dyke. I love him. And I, I just... There's so many films. You know, I'm like a big Jack Lemmon fan, The Great Race, and all his films, Dick Van Dyke. I like a lot of different things, you know? It's not just, yeah. I never got into show business to be a gangster. That's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> you know, I wanted to, 
be a little more versatile and play other roles. That's why I like comedy so much. Now, right. to tell you a tidbit. Yes, please. In the first Godfather, and I've always wanted to pass it on to Coppola if I ever got to see him again. I He I, he saw me when my daughter, Nicole, got off the plane with my wife, Teresa, and my daughter was walking. And I mm. broke down crying. He was with Sophia, and they were looking at me. It was a sincere moment because it was not acting or anything. He was like looking at me going, like, oh, my God. I'm like, look at you. You know, I was like and hugging, and, you know, it was a real moment. So yeah. That was special. But here it is. In the first Godfather, okay, when Don Corleone dies, right, and everybody's at the funeral. There's one yep. person missing. Can you guess who? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna blow your one, mind. One ca one character that's missing. One lead character. Obviously, one lead char obviously Don him, But who else? Well, a lead character that was still alive yep. at that point in the movie. Hang yep. on. Was it um? Oh no, she was there. His daughter. Mm -mm. Oh, hold on, hold on. Tessio was there, right? Wasn't was Tessio was there. there? Johnny Tessio Fontaine was, was there. Fontaine was there. Azini, Tatalia was there. Tatalia, obviously Michael. You had Tom. Okay. Oh, oh, Fredo. Where is he? That's right. Fredo's not there. Why isn't he there? That's right. Now, Fred, is, know, Fredo's well not in any I of the shots. In any Italian family, especially back then, I don't care if he was in Alaska, they would have flew him home for the funeral. Why wasn't Fredo there? He was in Vegas, wasn't he? At that point, they yep. sent him. Oh. They sent him to Vegas. Okay. Nobody invited him. <laughs> well, because he was he was the he's the he's the weakest link of the whole family. Whether I mean, he's Fredo. the weakest link at all in an Italian family. I'm smart. He would be there. He's the Judas. Um, but what? Why would do? You, but do you know why he wasn't there? Still nobody gave me an answer. I'm dying to run into Coppola and ask just way answer that question to me. Was was Casal sick was that day or something? But he, the movie was flawless, and I'm going. There's something there that I go. It doesn't make sense. You know what? Hang on. Did I? Because I never. I know my dad read the book, The Godfather. I never read the book. It's it's a book he's been dying to for me to read. I'm wondering if it's in the book. And it says why Fredo's not there. He's got to be. Maybe, it's got to be in the, book. It's in the book. But I think they would hit on it in the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's true. Fredo is not there. Oh, I got to now. I'm now going to have you ever looked it up on like on the Internet? Have you, no. you ever Googled no, it or anything? I never did. There's got to be a reason. Puzzled me. It always puzzled me. I've always said I asked a friend of mine, uh, my friend Nick Vallelonga, who run for Green Book, who wrote it and, and produced it. I said, when you see uh, Christopher Coppola, or you wit, you meet uh, uh, what's his name, Francis. Yeah. So your friend wants to know who came up with this. I may not be the only one. I can't be the only genius that caught it. No. You know, no. I mean, it's, it, why this? Why wasn't why the man there? That's a, such a good question. We got to find out. See, John John Cazelli simply wasn't available that day. So what it's you, Mark just Googled it. Coppola has been quoted as saying the funeral scene was shortened by a day in the shooting schedule and had to be rushed. Most likely explanation for Fredo's absence is that John Cazelli simply wasn't available. That so that's, day. that's, that's, that's speculation, speculation, speculation. But now, to your I'm, point, I'm, you got to fly him in. Tell you something when you're a young actor, 
and Casal, great actor as he as he was, may he rest in peace. I, he always thought he'd be bigger than what you know. He if he had lived, he would have went on to great things. Um, he would have been there. Yeah, in a movie that big, you would have been there. It's just something, yeah. something, something's off. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you on that. I don't disagree you know? with you on that. I always That's say, and I all go, gee, I never thought of it. And I go, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. That's right. Fredo was not there. Oh, man. Well, Anthony, thank you so much, dude. This oh, is thanks for having me on. This is a lot of this fun. Is, this is great. Well, I stay with us here. I'm just going to just give a, give a plug to our sponsors. Oh, you know, before we do that, um, do you have anything where people can follow you on social media? you have anything coming out? Uh, I know you said the Narrows. Uh, uh, anything you want to plug while we have you on here? Right, the now just the narrows that's going to come out. Um, um uh, everything Is else that, right now. Now that we're getting back into the the game again, so yep. to speak, I just got to wait and see. All and right. That other project I was talking to you about, I don't know. I know, what, I know, I know what they're going to do because they basically are revamping the whole show. Yes, they shot yeah. nine episodes and they're revamping the whole thing. So I don't know if I'm. You don't know if you made it or not. I didn't even shoot yet. Oh. So who knows? You know, that's that's the listen, I was this supposed business, to start I'm, I'm supposed to start a movie in March, February, March, with John Travolta. We started it last year. It was me. I mean, I'm not me like one of the stars, you know, but I'm one of the players. Yes. Yeah. John Travolta, uh Catherine Heigel, um, Christopher Walken, Dan Aykroyd. Talia Shire. Oh, wow. Um, we, uh, it's like, uh, it's like the all-star team. I Dre know. Di, Dre DiMatteo, I think. You call, uh, Dre, Dre DiMatteo or something like that. From the Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, which would be playing my sister. Uh, me, Travolta. I'd be playing Travolta's brother. It's a movie called That's Amori that Nick wrote and he's directing. Mm -hmm. And we were supposed to do it. We were started. It got some kind of situation arose. And we were supposed to now go at it again in March. I don't know if we are or not. Or we were, it's up in the air. But it's a great story. This is a film that if it does get made, which I would think it will. I don't know when. But when it does, it will be Academy Award. This one will go right. Travolta would probably win for this. Okay. One. Oh, that's you know? that's well. When it when when nice. you're when you're back into production, we'll have, we'll get you back on the podcast. You have to tell us about oh. all the stories working with Travolta and everything like that, please. He's a nice guy. I I never met him before. His sister played my mother on General Hospital, and she played Scott Bayo's mother on Charles in Charge when I guess started on that as a kid. Oh my God, that's go awesome! Way, go way back. I love, I love it. it. I love it. Anthony, back. thank you, thank you so much thank for coming you. on, man. Stay thank here. I just want to give a plug to our our, our sponsor, uh, Central Jersey Nursery uh, in Hillsborough, New Jersey. Feel free to go check them out. Central Jersey Nur Nursery on Hillsborough. It's been uh, been there for 50 years. You get yourself a nice poinsettia, poinsettia. Yeah, poinsettia. Get a little, uh, get a little uh, something. I don't, why, 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 why am I, I'm, I'm so Irish and I'm, I'm. Well, it's because you're talking to this guy. He's the Italian that plays Irish guys. <laughs> I, I do. Even on Rescue Me, Bobby. What was my oh, name? That's right. Bobby, you on Rescue Bobby. Me. I, another one of my favorite shows. I played Bobby Vincent, another Irish that's guy. That's right. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I did a gig in Jersey. I won't say who it was for. It was a corporate gig. And uh, I went up on stage. And be before they had this big dinner, and this lady came over who hired us, and she kept insisting that I looked Irish. And I thought she was joking around. Yeah. And I started laughing. I was like, yeah, my last name's Rick Adana. It's super Irish. And uh, 
I go on stage and I start doing bits about Angie and about my parents and about being Italian. And the, I can hear her in the back of the room going, he told me he was Irish. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, that's that's, that's great. Funny. <laughs> Anthony Sank, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, another another great interview. What a great show. Well, thank I want to wish you guys out. and your viewers, first of all, say Merry Christmas. Yes. Happy Merry Christmas. Hanukkah and Happy New Year to everybody. And be yes. please be safe and may God bless everybody. And thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, folks. Bye, guys. Welcome to the 624 Pod your home for all things independent films. We're going to discuss all the positives and negatives when it comes to independent filmmaking. We're going to have incredible guests from the film industry talk about the behind-the-scenes experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, and how the industry has changed in the past 10, 20... Minutes. Yeah, minutes, hours, years. years. That's the point. It's always changing. And of course, we will always focus on independent filmmaking right here in our state of New Jersey. I'm Tom Baldinger. And I'm Mark Argadana. All right, let's do this.